0: We have a very special treat today. We have Drew Hanlon. Uh, He's CEO of Pure Sweat and a basketball skills coach to several NBA stars, including the Celtics' own Jason Tatum. Drew, so happy to talk to you. I had the pleasure of talking with you during the Celtics Sixers series in the playoffs last year. Um, So checking in, we talked a lot at that time about Jason Tatum's commitment that he made to getting back to the finals uh, in the offseason prior to last season obviously they came up short and so I'm wondering what are you seeing about his focus right now this season compared to where he was at last season in that goal of getting back to that final stage
1: Yeah I mean the the goal and objective hasn't changed I mean ever since he uh you know got to that that NBA Finals, he tasted, you know, what it's what it's like to be in that in that kind of uh, you know big moment, and uh, he wants to finish the job. And so obviously the Celtics, uh, you know, improve their roster, uh, improve their chemistry, improve their play, and have been rolling. And uh, you know they're they're clearly right now the best team in the NBA, and so um, they want to just keep that momentum going into the postseason, where hopefully they can make a deep run and, and finish the job.
2: Yeah, yeah, Drew. This is uh, is Esteban. Thanks again. Um, one of the things I'm really fascinated with with Tatum, you know, he's 25, turns 26 on Sunday. Um, for a guy that's this young, he's already done so much with his game. He's already, you know, depending on who you ask, maybe one of the top five guys in the league. How difficult is it just from season to season to actually improve when you're already at that high of a skill level?
1: You know it's funny because I get asked that stuff all the time, and, and my response is always the same: the best can always get better. Um, you know, and, and for Jason, you know, there was something that was floating around the internet uh, that was true. You know, even this season, you know, we had to make an adjustment uh, around Christmas time on his off-the-dribble jump shots. And you know, off-dribble jump shots were just under thirty percent. Now they're just under forty percent, just lowering his pocket and tinkering that. But uh, you know, Jason's one of those players that's never satisfied. He constantly wants to. Uh, you know, become a better version of himself. And, um, you know, that, that finals loss, you know, made him improve his ability to get downhill and finish at the rim. And now he's one of the elite finishers at the basket. Um, but that's all hard work, you know, and then not only just basketball wise, but also, you know, you've seen him consistently add, you know, weight and, and strength. And, um, you know, he works really hard with Nick Tsang and in the weight room as well, just to improve his body and, and, uh, you know, also being a leader, you know, he could easily, um, you know, go out and and hunt an extra six points a game that would, you know, put him at the top of the MVP conversation. But instead, uh, you know, he he makes sure that he also sacrifices so that, uh, you know, the team overall is better. So, I mean, I think from a leader standpoint, a player standpoint, a a physical standpoint, a mental standpoint, he's always looking for ways to improve so that, uh, you know, it gives the Celtics the best chance at winning.
0: You mentioned leadership and and your answer before that, the chemistry of this particular roster right now. How do you see Jason, um, I guess, in a different position this year compared to seasons past with the subtractions and additions that Brad Stevens made with this roster over the offseason. It looks like he's really flourishing with the current roster. And even in the games, like the game the other night, he almost looks like he knows exactly where he can pick his spots, putting up, you know, only having 14 going into the fourth quarter and exploding then. Um, I guess a long roundabout way to ask you, does he seem different on the floor and off the court with his team this year?
1: I just think this team gels really well. I mean, obviously the starting five unit is uh, one of the better, you know, starting lineups that we've seen in in recent NBA history. And, um, you know, obviously they haven't accomplished anything yet. It's just a regular season. But um, on paper, uh, when they're all healthy, they're just so hard to – to guard on the offensive end, and and they're able to switch everything um, because of their length and size on the defensive end, which makes them truly dynamic. Um, I think the thing that uh, you know when you're asking about Jason, I think that the thing that he's doing really well this year is just picking his spots. You know, he's he knows that um, you know he's trying to get his offense within the flow of the team's offense. Um, but then there's also moments where you know it's a, it's a, they haven't had many, but when it when they're closer games down the stretch, he knows he's got to kind of uh, put his foot on the gas pedal and take over. So, um, you know, I think that's something that, you know, in the playoffs, obviously it's going to be harder as teams make adjustments and, um, you know, settle into, a you know, a seven-game series. But um, I think that's something that, you know, he's shown from an early age. I mean, you think even back to a couple of years ago, you know, going into Milwaukee and, and scoring, you know, whatever he had, uh, 43, 46, whatever it was, in game six and then winning game seven – Uh, You think about last year, you know, struggling for most of game six and then turning it on and taking over in the fourth quarter and then, you know, putting up 51 in game seven. So he's shown the ability to kind of, uh, you know, really lead and take over games when, when his team needs him the most. But I also think he's done a really good job, um, you know, just playing within the flow of the offense, which I know is hard. I mean, he, like you said earlier, as you said, you know, he's, he might be one of the top five players. I think he's definitely one of the top five players. Um, and, you know, I think that he could easily put up some of these uh, ridiculous stat lines that other people are putting up if he wanted to and if the team dynamic was different. But, um, you know, that's part of sacrificing for the, the betterment of the whole team. Drew, you mentioned the visit around Christmas when – you guys made an adjustment on Jason's shot. What goes into making those kind of adjustments? Is that something that you're watching a lot of film or is that something like Jason reaches out and he's like, "Hey, like, you know, can you help me with this problem? Like, what goes into making those kind of adjustments?" Yeah, I mean, so the the real answer is we've been working together, I mean, ever since he was a freshman in high school. So we know each other. We talk every day. We do film after every game um you know this 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 little uh, shot pocket thing is something that we've dealt with for a long time. He used to shoot way over his head um you know back in grade school and um we we changed his shot um right before he went to Duke and when he went to duke um you know he had to sit out for a couple weeks when he had uh some some basically some injuries, and when he came back, he resorted back to his old shot and so uh there was specifically a game after the North Carolina State game that I had to go down to uh, to Durham and, and we changed his, you know, changed his shot and tweaked it back to where we wanted it to. And um, he shot really well the rest of the season in college. And then, you know, pre-draft, we were able to get a ton of reps up and, you know, he came out and shot 43% his rookie season, which shocked a lot of people, but it was all because of his lower you know pocket, which allows you to have more arc, which gives you more room for error on the drop angle. And um, you, what we see is just, you know, if we don't know why or what, but, it, I mean, it's not just him. There's a lot of NBA players that uh, you end up kind of re- going back to what was natural and what was comfortable. But, um, you know, a couple times a year we just have to make sure that he, uh, you know, does some drill work and, and kind of remembers that uh, the lower the pocket, the better for him, um, which is the case in most players. Yeah, Drew, you
2: uh... – you obviously, you've worked with an MVP already, and Joel Embiid. There's been a lot of discussion around the MVP race this year. Um, and, you know, Tatum's role in that is, is different because of, of the additions that the Celtics have made. But how close would you say that Tatum is uh, to uh, that MVP level that that we've seen from other players?
1: Yeah, he's right there. I mean, obviously, uh, I'm biased. I mean, but I, you know, I thought when Joe when Joel was playing, I thought it would have been a, a landslide that he was going to win it. But with him out, um, you know, I think it really is anyone's race this year. Um, you know, I, I think the you got guys like Shea who are putting up you know consistent thirty point nights every single night and uh, leading a team to. Um, you know, a top seed in the in the Western Conference, which is obviously super impressive. you got Luca, who's putting up unbelievable numbers, but his team isn't winning as much. Um, and then you've got, you know, Jokic and, and Jason, who are both leading, you know, two of the top contenders in the league. Um, you know, I, I don't know why Jason gets punished for having a great team when, you know, guys, other guys have great teams, because it takes right. great teams to win games. And so... Um, and I think Jason's in that in that conversation with all four all four of those guys, um, you know being mentioned. And I think you can go different ways. I think the problem um, you know with MVP is uh, they've they've got away from MVP being most valuable like two- way player, and it's become just kind of who has the best stats sometimes. And so, you know, I even threw out on Twitter yesterday, I was like, they need to make an Offensive Player of the Year. You know, they have Defensive Player of the Year, which is recognizing who is the best just defensively. They should have an Offensive Player of the Year, and then they should have an overall MVP, the one that impacts the game the most. Um, And regardless if they say that's Jason or not, you know, it wasn't me just saying that for, you know, my (laughs) client's benefit. It was honestly me just saying I think they need to because defense is an important part of the game, and I think that – when you talk about those four names that I just mentioned, you know, Jason's the best defender among those guys, which would, you know, give him leverage in this year's race. But uh, truthfully speaking, you know, we talk about this all the time. I talk about this even with Joel. Um, When you look at some of the NBA greats, you talk about Kobe Bryant, he won one MVP, Shaq won one MVP, KD won MVP. So, um, you know, if you put yourself in a conversation enough, if you impact winning enough, and if you, uh, you know, put together enough good seasons – uh, eventually, you'll you'll get an award. So at some point in his career, so I have no doubt that there's going to be a time that you know we're all in the room and listening to uh, Jason give an MVP speech.
0: My ears perked up because you mentioned Kobe there, and I know that that's someone who uh, Jason had a great affinity for and models a lot of his perspective off of. So have you guys ever talked about that, that it took Kobe such a long time in his career? He won these titles very early on, and then he gets the MVP recognition a little bit later, and like you said, in a limited fashion compared to a lot of other stars of that caliber. Have you ever had that conversation with Jason as, you know, these things will come at different times in your career?
1: To be honest with you, we're not just kind of doing the media um, run around and just saying one thing and saying something else behind closed doors. Jason's only focus is winning the championship. Um, you know, the only MVP conversations that we ever have is, you know, A, if, if we're just talking about, hey, eventually you'll win one if you keep putting yourself in the conversation and keep impacting winning the way you are. And B, it might be us joking around where Jason says, man, if I was on a team where I just had to, you know, my usage rate was up and, you know, uh, and had to go gun every night for stats, my stats would look amazing too. You know what I mean? So yeah. uh, we never, we never really talk about MVP, but the only thing that ever crosses our plate is really just how do we impact winning more? How do we, you know, finish the job that, that he's tried to, to finish for the last couple of seasons. So, um you know that's that's the truth you know I think that some people think it might just be one of those uh, behind closed doors they're they're gunning for it but trust me if Jason was gunning for it he could easily put up 35 a night you know he he really could It, it wouldn't be very hard but um you know his overall goal and his only goal is to he would rather have a finals MVP let's put it that way
0: well I know that's music to a lot of Celtics fans ears I want to switch gears really quick um because I don't want to take up too much of your time, but you do. You've grown this company pure sweat, and I, I think at this point, a lot of people know the story of your the beginnings of your relationship with Jason Tatum and Bradley Beal and these other stars in the league. Joel Embiid, uh, can you talk a little bit about the what direction you've taken this company in? Uh, just looking at the website, the virtual offerings that you have, the Pure Basketball Experience that you're hosting in Vegas this summer. Who's your target? Is it only for these like very high end uh, high school and developing players who have division one and NBA goals? Or is it a different kind of audience than that?
1: To be honest with you, it's everyone. You know, it's funny because there's so many different ways uh, to impact the game of basketball and grow the game of basketball. And so while most fans know me from my work with, you know, the NBA All-Star guys you know, I truthfully, the, the thing that I love most is helping my nieces and nephews. And, um, you know, it's even funny, like you talk about Jason, you know, there's so many times where we're over here talking about Deuce's development plan, you know, as a as a five-year-old and six-year-old, you know, it's so, he is I mean, tall. it's just, oh, trust me. I, I you know, I, I get on Jason the other day, he had his first game and he was like, you know, 0 for one from the field and Jason like, but he had fun. I'm like, nope, we're, it's time to turn it up, you know? So it's just To me, it's, you know, I try to cater to as many people as I can. I have, you know, an app that gives basketball fans, coaches and players behind the scenes access to all the NBA workouts, which as a fan, it's fun because you get to see all the things we're talking about. You know, there's a whole shot project of, you know, Jason when he's in high school and you get to watch that stuff and see the process. You're more educated. Um, You know, then there's, you know, experience events where people that want to be scouts, uh, you know, where we bring in a bunch of. NBA executives and teach them how to, you know, kind of move up the ranks in that world. Or if you want to be a basketball trainer, how to do it the right way. Cause the problem is there's so many basketball trainers right now that, um, you know, they're more marketers than they are trainers and developers. And so really I, I want to impact the game at, at, at a more wide scale level. And so for, for fans, I want to give them good educational resources because I think that so many fans are gravitated towards the, you know, goat debate and you know the uh, let's put down this player so we can you know put this player above them and uh, the discussions instead of you know education and for the players I want to just you know I was a hardworking player that you know had to do everything to squeeze every ounce of potential out of my my own game so I could play you know college basketball I, I want to be able to help those players um, as well as the elite players so for me it's just all around about growing the game of basketball basketball has been amazing to me and. Uh, You know, I want to give back to anybody that that loves basketball like I do. Yeah.
2: Uh, Drew, before you go, uh, you know, uh, one of the things that is a lot lot of people's minds is this idea of specialization Uh, when it comes to when people, when young players should be focusing on on one sports. uh, When do you think uh, that that should come in, in a player's development?
1: You know, I don't think there's a perfect age. You know, I think the the one thing that I recommend is, you know, for letting them fall in love with the game. You know, that's the biggest thing that I've told my my sister who has, you know, the the six and five and all those young kids. I'm like, let's just let them watch as many NBA games as possible. Let's bring them around NBA games. Let's bring them to college and high school games. Let's bring them to camps and clinics. Let them fall in love with the game because if they love the game, then they're going to want to play the game more. They're going to want to practice more. They're going to do all those things. And then once they do have that love and want to spend time on the court, then the second step is actually starting to work smarter where you're, you're actually giving them the right tools and right techniques and right skills and right drills so that they can improve their game. And then that hunger will take them to places where, you know, no one could push them without that love. So I always think that, you know, the first part about them is just bringing them around, talking the game, and, and really get them to fall in love with the game. Um, I think that, you know, being able to play multiple sports not only develops – uh, different aspects and different skills, but it also allows them to, to truly pick which sport they love the most. Mm. Um, you know, and, and I think that whenever they do find a, kind of fall in love with one, I think that's uh, the point where they can start focusing on that one while still doing the other ones. You know, I don't think that they have to specialize at any point. I just think that, you know, once you get to the 13 years old, 14 years old, you have to choose what kind of lifting program do you want. You know, do you want to lift like a football player or do you want to lift like a basketball player You know, do you want to, um, you know, spend your mornings before school going to the gym and getting up a bunch of shots? Or do you want to go to a field and kick soccer balls around? So, you know, I'm a big believer in kind of doing everything. Let them be kids. Um, Let them fall in love with whatever their true passions are, whether that's a sport or whether that's, you know, something in music or whether that's something that has nothing to do with either one of those things. So, um, to me, I believe that, that all great players truly love the thing that they do. They crave improvement. And they, they're willing workers. And so um, if you have those three things and you blend them up, I think that's when you have a chance to be uh, really good and, and kind of uh, capitalize on your potential.
0: All right. Drew Hanlon, one of the busiest guys around the NBA, uh, CEO of Pure Sweat. Thank you so much for taking the time for us, uh, taking a few minutes out of your day.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks. Thank you, Drew.